This week's podcast brought to you by Visual Theology. Go now to Visual Theology and use the code BAR for 15% off anything you purchase from their website. The link is in the show notes. Go now, check it out. Enjoy the bar. Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. Welcome back. You're in for another edition of, of the Just Thinking podcast. I'm Virgil Walker. And I'm Daryl Harrison. What's going on out in Omaha, Virgil? Man, I'm trying to make stuff happen, man. It's it's dreary, but but uh, but good. Uh, we just came out of you know that that Holy Week, Easter Sunday, all of that kind of brand new, brand new week. Kind of got all that behind us, man. Just enjoying life, man. How about for you? Yeah, I'm still full, man. Off the whole Good Friday Easter weekend, it's just uh, it's so wonderful, man. To 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 confess that we serve a mighty, victorious. And the only true God and uh, the, the, the God who loved us enough to send his own son uh, who condescended down to us so that we might know him yes. uh, and be rescued from our sinful condition. So I'm still full off of that, man. Here it is Monday evening, but the Easter hasn't worn off on me yet. And I hope it never will. You know, Good, good, man. I'm, I'm with you. It's one of those things that's, it's kind of a twofold process for me. One is I recognize as believers in Christ, as followers of, of, of Christ, we celebrate the risen Savior every day of our lives, right? Amen. Amen. Uh, as, yep. as, as, as we recognize and focus on that. At the same time, we recognize that there is a day set aside in the calendar for us to do some additional reflection. And it was great to see, you know, church building full and packed mm-hmm. and everybody kind of recognizing that. But again, my, my hope is that those who are lost and don't yet have relationship with him, would indeed come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Well, we share that prayer, brother. You know that. So, uh, but other than that, man, doing great. Got a lot going on with the Just Thinking podcast, and uh, you and I were sort of chatting off the air. Absolutely, man. A lot going on. In fact, I can't wait for you tee it up for us, man. Let us know what's. Let us know everything that's going on. Yeah. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I was blessed with the opportunity to uh, be on the program, a very popular program that's uh, offered through uh, a uh, ministry of American Family Radio, among the many radio ministries that ARFR uh, is involved with, called Urban Family Talk. And you can go out to urbanfamilytalk.com and uh, check out all those programs. But I was uh, invited to be a guest on one of the Urban Family Talk programs called Airing the Addisons. Yeah, so Airing the Addisons is hosted by uh, Will and Miki Addison. Uh, great couple. I think they're based out of Mississippi. And I was invited to be on their show uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Wednesday morning, I think about a week and a half ago now. And uh, they were gracious enough to have me on for about the first 90 minutes. Uh, We talked specifically about the National Geographic article version that you and I covered in two episodes of our own podcast here on Just Thinking. And after the show, uh, I think it might've been the next day or a couple days later, uh, will send me a message on Facebook and say, Hey, you know, we're interested in having you guys broadcast your podcast on urban family talk. Uh, so man, that was like a stunner, you know, 
so long story short, we've been dialoguing uh, with the Addisons, uh, along with our uh, engineer in charge, the head guy, uh, Dwayne Atkinson, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, sort of working behind the scenes to get that uh, get that in order. So I just learned today that uh, the Just Thinking podcast is is going to be up for probably sometime this April, this April, this month now. Oh wow! Since we're in April, uh, we're going to be airing on Urban Family Talk on Saturdays from twelve to one. Eastern. So that's from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern on Urban Family Talk Radio beginning uh, this month. So probably another two or three weeks after you all hear this episode. Uh, But we're going to keep you guys posted to let you know for certain when you'll be able to go out to UrbanFamilyTalk.com and hear the Just Thinking podcast on Saturday afternoon. So again, many thanks to Will and Miki, Dwayne, uh, for getting this going for us. We appreciate American family radio for giving us this opportunity. Uh, so I guess, man, you can actually say technically that we're syndicated now. Nice, man. Nice. That that didn't take long, man. It didn't take take long. long. (laughs) Didn't take long at all. I I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't know, but Hey, I can't take credit for that. Matter of fact, I'm doing this. I'm doing, I'm teaching a series right now at my Sunday school at my local church. We're, We're doing a series of, uh, based out of uh, Jerry Bridges' book on the blessings of humility. So, mm. you know, far be it for me to be prideful about our being syndicated. Right. At the same time, though, it's a blessing, man. It's a That's huge a blessing. blessing. That's a blessing, we, that, that means we, That means we've got at least one listener out there who likes what we're There what you we're go, doing. man. At least one, right? At, <laughs> at least, least one. one. No, man, there's some great things that's been happening with the podcast. It's exciting to kind of see um, the direction, the fans that are out there, man. I, I call them friends more than fans. Uh, but those who follow the podcast, listen regularly, the feedback is tremendous. It seems to be consistent and growing. Uh, we've got regular folks who, who tee up with us every week. Uh, and if they miss a week that, you know, they, I, I saw one, one of the, one of the uh, persons that kind of follow us said, Hey, I'm caught up, you know, maybe they missed one and now they're, they're all caught up with all the episodes. So, uh, it's a blessing to have that go on, man. And, and yeah, cause uh, this is, ep- this is episode 22. Absolutely. Right. That we're right. doing uh, right now as we record this, this is episode 20, man, this is 22 episodes. I can't believe it. And we're in 22 deep, man. Yeah. We're 22 deep, man. So, uh, you know, and tonight's going to be a pretty special episode. So we kind of tackled the whole race, race, race racial reconciliation issue mm-hmm. from a, a few different angles. Right. You know, over the past few episodes. So we're going to take a detour from that tonight and hopefully like for good. <laughs> for, <Yeah>. because, <laughs> I mean, seriously, man. I mean, we, we have, we have addressed that thing, you know, every way, you know, you can possibly deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I, I, I wish, I wish that would be the end of it, brother. I just have a feeling. That yeah. Well, we know that's not the end of the issue. So Absolutely. we know that. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like I alluded to on the uh, on our last episode, episode 21, that, you know, I really appreciate our listeners who are coming to me and you with, you know, additional, uh, shall we say, levels that we can drill down mm-hmm. on that issue. I really appreciate that they're listening, that they mm-hmm. have uh, uh, that, that we've, we've, we've portrayed because we do. I mean, that is an issue that we care about. Mm-hmm. But, the you know, as, as far as we're concerned you know, we've exposited that issue through the lens of the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, and, you know, the last couple of episodes, we exposited it through the lens of science. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, there's only so much the science and the gospel says about it. I mean, right. you, you, you exposit it, you exegete it, you put it out there for what it is. And, you know, those who hear it can accept it for the truth that it is, or they mm-hmm. don't have to. Right. Uh, but, you know, we don't want to be known as the sort of uh, repository for racial conversation only. All right. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Uh, it's like the tagline to my blog. And then our mission uh, carries over to this podcast that we apply biblical truth to political, theological, cultural, and social issues in our world. So we have a wide breadth of uh, uh, topics that we'd like to talk about. Uh, and, t- and and in this episode, we're going to kind of turn the page a little bit, go back to our theological roots. And this episode is going to be a little bit personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and sort of as, as I tee this up, as I kind of introduce this verge, mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out to our sisters, uh, Ariel Bovat and Lisa Robinson over at Kaleosco. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, because they kind of beat us to the punch on this. What's that verge? They're putting in work, man, over there. They're putting in some serious work, man. Those mm-hmm. ladies are awesome. So if you guys get a chance, go check out Kaleoscope.org. I'll spell that for you. That's K-A-L-E-O, then the word scope, K-A-L-E-O-S-C-O-P-E.org. So Lisa mm-hmm. Robinson, Ariel Bovat, um, they've got a podcast that's just fantastic. And it just so happens that they teed up this topic that you and I are going to deal with tonight. They teed it up last week. Mm-hmm. In their latest episode, so it's it's really just well, I don't want to say coincidence because I don't believe in such a thing, right? But God's uh, you know providence, His sovereignty in that you know I had planned to tee this topic up as well for you and me to so- sort of talk through, mm-hmm. and uh, so you know they gave me a little bit of a ribbing last week uh-huh. saying hey you know that we were copycatting them, <laughs> but <laughs> but but we're really not. But I do appreciate. Uh, because I, I listened to to those ladies uh, uh, talk through their own unique experiences and how the Lord got them on their respective roads to reform theology. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I want us to talk about tonight. So the, our listeners maybe learn a bit, a little bit more about, you know, hey, how how'd you guys, you know, how'd you guys get into reform theology? Why is it that yeah. you guys are reformed? You know, I mean, I, I don't know a lot of black reformed Christians. Mm-hmm. out there. So I thought it might be helpful to kind of share our story, kind of like what Lisa and Ariel did on their podcast. Mm-hmm. So our listeners can little, learn a little bit more about, you know, who we are and, and, yeah, and, and our Christian journey yeah. uh, and, and how God got us on the road to reform theology, because, uh, you know, you and I, Burge, we're reformed, but I know in my circle, I don't know many black reformed Christians. Interesting. I think the number is growing. Uh-huh. But uh, I personally do not know a lot of Christians who are black and subscribe to reform theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, th- I think it should be a fun topic to talk about. And uh, so, so thanks again, Lisa and Ariel for, for, for tacking this on your podcast last Absolutely. week. We appreciate that. And you guys kind of opened the door for us to talk about it um, as well. So, no, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's good, man. Cause again, people get I, what they hear and have experienced thus far is, is a very kind of in-depth, like you said, kind of exegetical expositional, um, uh, format aimed at particular topics. And this kind of makes things personal, man. I, I can, I can run through mine first. Cause it's, it's, it's pretty quick. Uh, yeah. Why don't man, you do that, man? Go yeah, ahead and take feel, the statement. Feel, yeah. Feel free to interject or ask questions along the way, but 
but my my road is 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 really simple though it took years in its development uh i got i actually came to christ if you can believe it in a church of christ uh daryl i don't even know if you knew that but um i didn't know that Mm -hmm. i I came to christ i can't yep i came to the lord in a church of christ i was i was in high school a young brother who was very serious about his faith he and i were best friends he came back after a summer and just was sold out uh and as a result of him kind of being sold out man I followed him, was discipled by him, mm-hmm. and came to know the Lord, came to understand that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. Now, I recognize that in the denomination that I was a part of, uh, that they that they actually taught baptismal regeneration. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I knew nothing of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my roots prior to that were my parents who had taken me to a Pentecostal church. So when, you know, when they learned that they, they were Kojic. So when they learned that I was at this predominantly white uh, church of Christ, uh, no instruments, they were looking at me like, what in the world happened to you? <laughs> and uh, and they were kind of shocked and surprised. But for me, it was just the draw of God, uh, the draw of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, just drawing me closer uh, to the Lord and, 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 and snatching me out of darkness and into light. Uh, I would I would have I would leave from there and go to a Church of Christ college where while I was there, I would begin to learn about different aspects of theology. I actually at that time, uh, Daryl felt the call of God to ministry. Uh, on my life and uh, and really avoided it uh, like the plague. I, I kind of just thought, you know what, I'm I'm not good enough uh, to pursue ministry. That's not what I want to do. And so I kind of went a different vein. Um, and, and, and so out of that, I would come home after three years of college and not enough money to finish. Uh, I would come home. And that was during the time when uh, kind of the Malcolm X movie was going on at the time yeah. and everybody was wearing yeah. the X hats and all of that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we're trying to get back to their kind of black roots. And so I found myself reading Malcolm X's autobiography and really trying to identify with with race and, and, and racial identity and all of that. Um, and, and as a result, uh, went went into the, the, the blackest church at the time that I could find. So here I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, trying to get back connected to kind of a Kojic experience. Uh, church of God in Christ, for those who, who don't know what that is, it's the Church of God in Christ, largest black Pentecostal denomination uh, in the country. And so I uh, went back to that space and place, and I found myself at Carlton Pearson's church. What? Uh, yeah, man, I was, I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was at first, first let me interject something right here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For the sake of our listeners. Uh, okay. So this is episode 22. Uh, that Virgil and I have been doing this together. And just as a reminder, especially for our new listeners, we've mentioned this before, but Virgil and I have never met in person. Mm-hmm. So there's still I, things I about. Yeah, yeah. The, the way the way we flow, I'm sure that's shocking. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure somebody's probably pulling over in their car right now off the, <laughs> off the freeway going like, wait, what? <laughs> yes, Virgil and I have never met in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's things about one another that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Virgil, that, news man that you were a member of carlton pearson's church yeah, wow man. yeah it was for again for those who aren't familiar don't know who carlton pearson is uh he was a big time mega church pastor in tulsa oklahoma one of the largest uh churches in that area of its kind tulsa uh was kind of the mecca for uh word of faith 
uh, kind of charismania. You had Kenneth Hagen mm-hmm. with Rama Bible School there in town. You had another uh, a, a, a Victory Christian School. You had Oral Roberts University, where my mm-hmm. wife would would come from, and we both met at Higher Dimensions. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and we were there, involved, very active. Uh, very connected to what was going on. Carlton, again, for those who don't know, Carlton Pearson uh, has has now become kind of an outright apostate, mm-hmm. uh, affirming universalism, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. affirming uh, you know gay gay marriage, uh, affirming that that it's okay to be gay and to mm-hmm. claim Christianity at the same time. And you can find him at different times on CNN and and that kind of thing. He has a, he has a book. Uh, that he's written about the called the gospel of inclusion, uh, and all of that speaks to the to an ancient heresy uh, of of universalism. And so, anyway, that's who that was. And that church church was off the chain, bro. I have to tell you, when we were there, uh, it was amazing. Daryl, it was any on any Sunday, man. You could you could you know BB or CC wine in. We grab the microphone and and go to church for you. Uh, you know you'd have Daryl Coley on a platform that will go go to town. You, I mean, any, any big name black gospel artist on Sunday morning. It was it was a show. I mean, it was. Yeah, you could uh, you could you could lose a few pounds in a church service oh, there, man. Oh, bro, I mean, bro. once once the music got crunk. Oh man, it was started it. feeling it in your spirit. Yes. Quote unquote. Yeah, man, you can, you can, you can, you can burn off a few calories. You can, you can. (laughs) So I was, I was there, I was there for quite some time, man. I met my wife there. She would eventually leave the church because near about every single female at the church was after Carlton. He was single. She was, you know, they were all single. My wife did, my wife did not play that. So she went to an even deeper church man that's a whole nother story for another day i'd i'd, I'd go travel they, they would start it's one of those churches man where they would start church service at seven eight o'clock mm-hmm. i would go to higher dimensions at 11 get out at one i'd go to late service get out at one i'd go have lunch with my friends and i'd go to my wife's pentecostal church at three and they would they would just tuning up good of course yeah of course. <laughs> that's cool that's cool listen dude black, uh, uh, black pentecostal church you, you clock you gotta clock in Right, right, right. <laughs> you gotta clock in and clock out. Right, right, <laughs> dude, dude. Sundays at a Black Pentecostal church, you pull in shifts. It's okay. Yes, that's right. That's right. It's all day. It's all day. It's all day, man. It's all day. No so lunch would, break. No lunch break. So they would they would get they would get out at four. They would get this, man. They would get out at four oh. o'clock. Go grab something to eat quick because they had to be back because Sunday night started at six. <laughs> <laughs> now if you now if you ask my wife her thing was it kept her holy you know it kept us holy we wasn't mm-hmm. you know we wasn't mm-hmm. we wasn't doing nothing extra because she was mm-hmm. holy doing that but anyway mm-hmm. that was a that's that's the side <laughs> that, <laughs> that's the side that's the sidebar man so anyway uh i would we would eventually uh find ourselves uh leaving tulsa heading to Oklahoma City based upon job and, and some things that I had going. Military would bring me down there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we found, a, we found a, a, a church that was, that was uh, less charismatic, uh, smaller in nature. We're really looking for discipleship. We would land at a, a okay, church. Okay, I need, I need to interrupt you there, man, because yeah, I need yeah. some clarification. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know that there was such a thing as less charismatic. <laughs> you need to you need to define that for me, man. That's good. That's good. Less, no. less charismatic, how? 
less care less charismatic just from a standpoint of sheer volume and number i mean it was you know pearson's church on a sunday they would have three services there were eight thousand people on the rolls there were four thousand people during a service uh at any one of the services the place was packed and uh, we really were trying to find something smaller um, and, and, and something where we could kind of get to know some people and they could know us and kind of minister to us. And so uh, we, would, we would land at uh, Liberty Church there in Oklahoma City. Um, it was a predominantly white church, uh, which was different from, from Carlton's. Now, Carlton Pearson's church was not, was not all, all black either. It was a, right. it was a, it was a beautiful blend of of African American of of Hispanic and white and so it was a it was just really really a neat racial makeup there it was folks loved God and and worshipped as much as they understood Him at the time based upon the teaching that we were getting so while I believed myself to be saved bro I I had and that, and I, that's the caveat right you believed yourself <laughs> to be saved. That's the caveat. Right, right, right. I, I, I would say I would say this. I, I had come to a saving knowledge of Christ at the Church of Christ. Uh, I do believe that. I had been I had been drowning under a heavy dose of false teaching for quite some time. Uh, only to later on begin after being in Oklahoma City, I began to question some things about what we were being taught. Um, I, I do believe that the spirit began to tug on me to go, what, you know, all this name it, claim it, blab it, yeah. grab it stuff. Yeah. This mm-hmm. stuff's not, stuff's not lining up, man. I'm not seeing yeah. it play out in my life. Yeah. And, you're not seeing, you're not seeing the new cars and the nope. the, the new homes and nope. the, 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 your wife's not seeing the diamond rings and nope. the, nope. the uh, yeah, yeah. Not, not none, that, none, of, none of that stuff is coming to fruition. None of that stuff you. is coming to fruition, especially yeah. to the degree that, that I was seeing it in everybody else, all the pastors and the staff, they were rolling and uh, anybody who was not in course. that fold were, were not. So yeah. that was kind of how that, how that worked. Okay. So we would, we would eventually, it would eventually bro cause me from a spiritual standpoint um, to, I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to turn because I didn't, I didn't have enough solid teaching mm-hmm. to, to, for me to land anywhere. I didn't know where to go with that. So, yeah, so, the, so the discernment wasn't there yet. No, it was not. It, it yeah. absolutely was not. I would eventually leave Oklahoma city and move to Omaha, Nebraska due to a promotion at, at work in my work uh, area. I was a, uh, I was in pharmaceutical sales. I had taken a position from a salesperson to a manager of a team of eight or nine people. Uh, I would come to Omaha and begin working. And and as far as I began to practice f- my faith, it was more of, it was personal. Uh, I was listening to tapes and different things and trying to name and claim my way to prosperity, uh, which, which, which would be, which would be my ultimate demise. In in other words, I would come here, make a lot of money. I'd come here to Omaha, make a lot of money and, and pursue the God of mammon uh, mm-hmm. to the, to the point where my, the family just began to suffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife uh, just made a decision. You know what? You 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 have a mistress. Uh, her name is Work. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with her uh, and let you know that my you know my the kids and I will be in another space and place uh, until you figure out how you want to move forward. Uh, for three years, she saw no no uh, no spiritual leadership. 
uh, no acumen about the word of God and, and it just become despondent as a part of the process. Well, that kind of harkens back to what you said, the wording that you used earlier, I think is very important that in your eyes, you thought you were saved. You were yeah. saved to you. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But no so, one, no one around you, no, no one, one in your immediate me. circle was seeing any fruit, any yeah. evidence of that. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. So what would come from that? Uh, her, the kids, they, they went and did, you know, she decided to do her, her thing. It, it, it drove me to my knees and caused me to really ask some questions, uh, which was what the foundation that I'd, that, that I had stood on for the longest period of time, uh, which, which was false uh, mm-hmm. from all the false teaching that I had been given was crumbling underneath me. And mm-hmm. all I could do at that point was to cry out for a right relationship with God. Now I wanted God for himself. Uh, now I wanted God, not for what I could get from him, but for mm-hmm. who he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in that, that space and place, uh, I, I just recognized, even if that meant that my relationship with my wife would would end up resulting in divorce. I was going to pursue Christ for all that I had, and so uh, that's that's where it happened. This was where it happened, and and I just began to pursue him. So as a result of that, long story short, wife and I would would reconcile, and I would begin to be I would begin to start a process of a journey uh, that would lead me from from darkness in into light. And uh, I was I we had found a Baptist church uh, here in town, West Side, is which is where I attend now. Um, and and I'll be honest with you, man. I went there thinking, you know, these poor Baptist folks they don't have they don't have the gifts of the spirit. Uh, they they don't have tongues. You know, how is this even going to work? You, you still know? you still wearing that Kojic hat? I'm still I still had the Kojic thing going. You're trying to conjugate those Baptists. Right. I, I really was. I really was. And so the more I stayed, the more teaching I got. And the, un, and the clarity of the gospel became very real uh, to me. I saw people who were, were pursuing Christ, and it, it caused me to really uh, be exposed uh, to uh, just right teaching, which, again, while every time we'd go home, we'd end up dissecting messages to find like weren't we taught this what 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 does the bible actually say and um and and as a result of that over some time man would would recognize a lot of the teaching that we had been given for years uh was just false and wrong um to get to to get to how we how we landed uh in a in a, in a space of being exposed to reformed theology uh i there was a dear brother older older brother in the lord uh at the church uh, who was a former, get this, bro, a former Catholic. He was a former Catholic. And now, you know uh, what? Let me let me say something right there, Verge, because yes, what sir. I found out is in my own experience, uh, even at my local church now, uh, there's probably at least two to three former Catholics mm-hmm. in my church now. I go to the Reformed Baptist Church now. So, uh, man, that, that's just great to hear, though, that the gospel penetrated the heart of a former Catholic, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Former Catholic. uh, It was, it was a birthday gift that he would hand me a book by Dr. R.C. Sproul called what is reformed theology. And as a result of reading that book, I began to understand uh, what, what a, what the reformation was about, what reformed theology was about, uh, what the solas of the reformation meant, 
that I was indeed saved by grace through faith in Christ, according to scripture, based upon God's glory uh, alone, and that he would get all the glory in my redemption, that I would take no credit for it. And so uh, as a result of that, man, for me, it was like a light bulb, not went on, exploded. Yeah, it is like that, isn't it? It is it like exploded that. in my brain and yeah, I yeah. went, Oh my, I, here, this for the first time, man, um, I had experienced what it meant to worship God, not only with my, with my heart, mind, soul, but with, with and strength, but with, or rather not with my, just my soul and strength, but with my mind mm-hmm. and, and, and mm-hmm. what it meant to engage the word of God mm-hmm. and worship God uh, f- from the standpoint of, of, of understanding of truth, uh, the clarity of scripture, uh, and the like. Now, now I, I don't even, I, I rarely use the term reformed only because uh, I, I want people to not get hung up on a particular lane, but I want people to understand what we're talking about is, is biblical doctrine. And, yeah. uh, and you, you know what I'm saying? I want, I want people to understand the biblical piece, but I, but I have to, I have to acknowledge the fact that uh, it was, it was my exposure uh, to to reform theology, to the book, to R.C. Sproul's book, and, and all the teaching that flowed from that, uh, that landed me in that space. So, yeah, I happen to have that book right in front of me right now as we record. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's interesting verse that uh, uh, you mentioned that because about three years ago, I had the opportunity to, to attend one of Dr. Steve Lawson's uh, preaching seminars. Uh, wow. Under his one passion ministry, he wow. was uh, in one of his seminars here in Atlanta. Uh, it was about two and a half days. I was wow. able to attend that. It was held at Reform uh, Theological Seminary mm-hmm. here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And on the final day of that session, they actually Skyped in Dr. Sproul and wow. Dr. John MacArthur wow. for a Q&A. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, and I had the privilege, and it means even more to me now with the recent passing of Dr. Sproul. Mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to ask Dr. Sproul a question and mm. I was an infant in reformed theology. I mean, I'm still learning. I, I consider myself a reformed rookie mm-hmm. uh, because I've been reformed for about maybe four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll kind of delve into my story a little bit here in a second, but I asked Dr. Sproul, I felt burdened to ask him this question and I asked him to comment on what I was perceiving even back then, even in my infancy with respect to being reformed, how did he see the spread of reformed theology among African-American Christians? Mm-hmm. Because I was noticing that, especially the more prevalent social media gets, you have an opportunity to push more reformed content out there mm-hmm. and more, particularly African-American Christians in this case, have more exposure to that. So I was seeing that because that's how I got exposed to a lot of that content yeah, with respect absolutely. to reformed theology. So I asked Dr. Sproul what his thoughts were on the fact that reformed theology seems to be catching on with more and more black Christians. And his response was this, to your point about biblical doctrine, reformed theology being biblical doctrine. Sproul's response was almost verbatim what you just said. Wow. He said, well, the thing you need to remember is that reformed theology is biblical theology. Mm. That's the best definition of reformed theology I've ever heard. Right. And that's without even going into the solas. Right, right, okay. right, right. That's not even touching on the solas, the grace alone, Christ alone, faith mm-hmm. alone, mm-hmm. glory of God alone, scripture alone. That's not even going into that. But Sproul mm-hmm. was a master at 
giving you profound, robust, substantive, theological content in the most concise, succinct way. Mm. And that's what I found to be true in my own spiritual life, my own walk with Christ, that reformed theology is biblical theology. Mm-hmm. Now, just reflecting back on your story for a second, though, Verge, I have one question for you, man. It's this. Mm-hmm. When is the movie coming out? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, your story yeah. is is at worst book worthy and at best movie worthy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a journey, man. I could when, when, I, when's the BET movie coming out? I don't out? know, man. I don't the know. The BET made for TV I, I, movie. I, I, hey, I don't know, man. This is this is I think this is as good as it gets, man. I'm 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 with you and I get to wow. share the story, man. It's it's that a, is it's a heck a journey. of a man, that's a heck of a journey there, bro. I, I can't top that one, man. Matter of fact, wow. we might as well cut it off right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know better than that, man. It's all good. No, it, it was it was a journey, man. I've, I, there are there are many years of, of of crazy chaos in that, man. Some crazy, um, you know, scenarios. I've I've seen different aspects of you know of charismania, which is what I yeah. call it. Yeah. That that I experienced the Benny hands. I mean, just everything mm-hmm. that yeah. that was a part of that. So yeah, it, it was it was wild. You know, listening to you talk about, especially out of your Kojic. I'm going to try to pronounce that Kojic as you do. I've been pronouncing it Kojic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe that's because I'm here in the East, man. You out there in the right, 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 Midwest. Right. But, <laughs> but anyway, I'm Kojic. You Kojic. Right, but, right, right. Uh, you reminded me of one of the first books that I read when the Lord finally started to work in my heart with respect to the doctrines of grace uh, were biblical. They were biblically sound. They were true. It was what the Bible taught. One of the first books I read, in addition to R.C. Sproul's What is Reformed Theology, is a book called Experiencing the Truth. Experiencing the Truth, Bringing the Reformation to the African-American Church by Anthony J. Carter. Have you read mm. that one, Bert? I have not read that one, man. But listen to your story. Listen to you sort of recount your journey out of the Kojic Church into the Baptist Church and now into... Uh, Reformed Church, uh, Carter says this. This is in chapter one of Experiencing the Truth. Uh, this is just an introduction, but I think I'm, I'm going to read for this in a second because I think this really mirrors your experience and, and mine as well. But Carter says this. He said, because I think, verse, this is what burdened you ultimately um, to, to where you started asking questions uh, about what you had been taught all those years. Uh, But Carter writes this. He says, the dearth of biblical truth among Christians today is caused by their search for places that serve them and meet their perceived needs rather than places where God is exalted and Christ is trusted because the word of God is faithfully proclaimed. Yes. Yet it is not only because people are looking for churches that will focus on their perceived felt needs. Churches who are advertising themselves as places where people can get whatever they want, when they want it, and how they want it are equally responsible. This has created a chasm between Christianity and predominantly African-American churches and true biblical Christian experience. Mm. Into this chasm, we seek to posit historic reform theology. Uh, Carter continues, 
He says, to see the African-American Christian experience apart from an intentional application of Reformed theological principles is like reading a book by the moonlight. We can see the page well enough to make out the story, but it is so much clearer and indeed enlightening to read by the direct light of the noonday sun. Mm-hmm. Reformed theology shines the noonday sun upon Christian experience so that we see more and further than we could by moonlight. By understanding Reformed theology, the history, the history of African-Americans, and parenthetically, he says, and any other people for that matter, is enriched because the biblical God is understood in Reformed theology, as understood in Reformed theology, is big and gracious. He is sovereign and sophisticated. He is to be celebrated and feared. Right. So I think mm. those couple of paragraphs really describe describe the journey that God took you. Oh, absolutely. On. Absolutely. Very clearly. Absolutely. You know, just to share a little bit of my own story, the earliest I remember going to church, um, I have to say this first up front that my mom wore the spiritual pants in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my mom is still alive. My father passed away uh, several years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, but my mother wore the spiritual pants in the family. My mother has a very, she's short, man. She's like five, two. Oh, wow. My mom's four ten. Really? Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> man, my mom, my mom can sing. Okay. Mm. My mama can sing. And she has always been in the choir. She's always been in the church. Even today, she's still singing. But mama made sure that me and my brother and sister were in church every Sunday, regardless of whether my father felt like going to church or if my father had to work. Uh, my parents were two of the hardest working people I've ever known. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mom made sure we were in church. And I had that experience as you did, man, every Sunday. Late service starts may, maybe around 11, 1130. Mm-hmm. You might get out 3, 3.30. And don't let it be first Sunday. You know, we count the Sundays, right? Verse? We right, got to count right, the Sundays. Right. <laughs> So for those of you not familiar necessarily, and I'm going to be speaking just so our listeners know, let me put some context around this. I understand that what I just read from Anthony Carter's book and what Virgil has shared and what I'm about to share is not exclusive to the quote unquote black church experience. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But I'm coming to you from my experience. My personal experience is in the black church. Okay. So when I mention the term black church, I'm not being exclusive. I'm sorry. I'm not generalizing. I'm being very specific to my own experience and sharing my own story. Uh, so I just need to get that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so mom will make sure we were in church. Now the earliest uh, memory that I have of going to church was a little house church. It was a literally, it was a house that had been turned into a church. Uh, maybe some walls have been knocked down or whatever, but there were pews. There was, there was a house that had a front porch had swings on it. Uh, it was on a, uh, on the southeast side of Atlanta on a little narrow street called Rankin Street. The name of the church was the Universal House of Prayer. Mm. The Universal House of Prayer. And I remember it to this day. It's uh, Rankin Street runs right off of Boulevard Avenue, southeast side of the city. Um, and what I know now to be syncretism is mm-hmm. what we experience. Now, how's this for hybrid uh, orthodoxy. <clears throat> you got a little bit of Catholicism mixed with a little bit of Pentecostalism. Wow. So what we would do, you would sing gospel songs uh, that would be just as lively as the Pentecostal churches that you grew up in, mm-hmm. Verge. But then 
the uh, the authority person in the pulpit was a number one was a woman. Wow. Number two, her title was archbishop. Wow. Number three, at the end of the service, everybody had to come out of the pews, go up front, and kiss her ring. She Get had a ring. Out. Yes, she had a ring. I remember to this day, and I was just a little little boy. It was a gold ring that she would wear on her left ring finger that was yellow gold with a rectangular red ruby stone and then a cross on top of the stone. And everybody at the end of the service, before everyone was dismissed, you would go up there. Her name was Mary Veronia Walton. I'll never forget this. My mom loved that woman to death. Everywhere I went, I was hearing about Archbishop Walton, Archbishop Walton. But we would go up, we would walk up, get in line one at a time, bow down and kiss that ring. Wow. It's just like, it's like you in a Catholic mass. And, but, but here you're in Southeast Atlanta, which is predominantly black. And you're having this sort of synchristic service going on between Catholicism and Pentecostalism. That's insane. So that's, that's where I went to church until my maybe mid teens where we uh, ended up going to a church. Now that church was, was again, going to that church was driven by my mother. And in my mid to late teens, we ended up going to a church where my father's family was the majority uh, there. It was a uh, Chapel Hill missionary Baptist church on Southside drive in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever been to Atlanta, you know where the Mercedes Benz stadium is. It's on Northside Drive right there adjacent to the stadium. I attended that church into my 20s. When I graduated high school, I went into the military. When I came out of the military, I'm in my early 20s, early to mid-20s. I'm going back to Chapel Hill. But one Sunday, man, it just hit me that I'm not learning anything here. Mm. Not learning anything. That hit me out of nowhere. Wow. So in God's providence, um, my mother got a letter from her sister who at that time lived in Syracuse, New York, suggesting that I go visit first Baptist Atlanta where Dr. Charles Stanley was mm-hmm. the senior pastor. He still is mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my, my aunt, my aunt Bernice in Syracuse, New York would watch Dr. Stanley on TV and she liked him. She wrote my mom and told uh, her about him. So I went and visited one Sunday and um, I sat probably almost in the last row of the balcony and heard him preach. Mm-hmm. And what got me, you may find this funny, but it wasn't, at the, I took it very seriously at the time. I was hearing someone read from a Bible that wasn't the King James version for the first time ever. Wow. And the Bible sounded just like regular English. It sounded like the way I talk. Right. See. Right. It wasn't all these, these thousand, you know, mm-hmm. uh, no, no disrespect to the KJV, right. but he was reading from a Bible that I could understand. You see, he was reading from the NASB. He had a Ryrie NASB Bible. Mm-hmm. I said, I got to get me one of those, you know? So <laughs> I was like, Hey, I can understand that Bible. Yes. You know? Yes. Uh, so man, I ended up staying at first Baptist Atlanta for 23 years. Wow. 23 years. And I will credit, although Dr. Stanley is Arminian, I will credit him to this day for God using him 
to take me, to graduate me from somebody who was just a reader of the Bible to someone who was a, became a student of it. Wow. This was my first time seeing a study Bible, okay, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. notes, footnotes and everything, concordance in the back, uh, all of that. So while I was at First Baptist, I was actively involved there. I taught a Sunday school class uh, for single parents. Um, I was involved in the men's group there, a group called Sons of Thunder. Uh, So I was actively involved. I was in the choir uh, and everything. But man, uh, and and it's for that reason that I still uh, I still defer to the NASB today. That is my preferred translation to this day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So right now I use John MacArthur NASB. But uh, I was there for 23 years until I moved. Uh, I bought a house east of Atlanta. And uh, couldn't make that hour and 15 minute drive from where my new home was to where First Baptist was in a suburb of Atlanta called Dunwoody. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was a little bit far of a drive, a further drive. But I found a local church here to where I live now, was a member there for five years. Um, and in 2014, uh, joined the church to where I am a member now. But in between the years, when I left First Baptist Atlanta, to where I am now, even as I remember as a little boy, I always had this sort of curiosity about God, mm-hmm. about who God was, even as a little boy. Uh, it, matter of fact, my dad used to call me the preacher when I was a little boy because wow. I never got in trouble. I never did anything wrong. I was a very compliant child. I, I would be reading the Bible on my own. Uh, but, you know, within those years, <clears throat> it's kind of like uh, Lisa and Ariel said in their kaleidoscope, podcast. It wasn't that, that I found reformed theology. It's that reformed theology found me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you go on the internet and I was always listening to sermons. I, I, I would pull and, and, and the folks at Moody Bible Institute were big in my life at the time. You know, I would listen to Moody out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I would listen to the Moody station in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So I was always searching for sound biblical truth. And then I came along Ligonier. Mm. and listen to Dr. R.C. Sproul. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the first sermon it was that I heard from him, but I never heard anyone, anyone break Bible verses down like he did to where he would not only give you the English text, but he would exposit and exegete words in Greek and Hebrew mm-hmm. to where you learn that, well, there's five different words for love in the Greek, mm-hmm. or there's seven different words for the word world in the mm-hmm. Greek mm-hmm. and things like that. So you're, you're, you know, like you said, the, the, the light bulb exploded. Mm-hmm. So you finally got to understand, wow, there, there's, there's not just what the Bible says. There's what the Bible means by, by what it says. Yes. Yes. You see. And, uh, so I, I, I went from there and I, you know, found out about the Ligonier website and I'm out there reading all their articles. I'm, I'm playing all their videos from all their conferences and everything. And at some point I get introduced to grace to you with John MacArthur. Mm. And I'm like, man, I never heard a sermon that can go. I don't know, hour close to an hour. Right. Right. And you don't want to stop listening. No, you don't want to stop listening. So Together, Ligonier with Dr. Sproul, mm-hmm. and then Grace with, to you with Dr. John MacArthur 
uh, obviously in God's providence, I say all of this, acknowledging that God is sovereign over all of this. But those two individuals and their ministries had more to do with me coming to grips, even with that, 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 that reform doctrine that's in so many people's sides, right? Verse the doctrine of election. Mm-hmm. Uh, even to that extent, uh, that the Lord used those two men and their ministries to bring me to a point where uh, I had to acknowledge that, yeah, reform theology is biblical theology. It is mm-hmm. biblical doctrine. Mm-hmm. It is true. It is true. You know, and it is, it is, it is, it is within the paradigm of, of reform theology that I understood that salvation is monergistic. It is not synergistic. Mm. It is not, for instance, as you said earlier, it is not baptismal regeneration. Right. It is not walking an aisle. It is not joining a church. Right. Um, you know, it is not going through the new members class. It is, <laughs> it is none of that. Right. You see, but, but what I found is that, and you alluded to this earlier when you were sharing your story, reformed theology demands that you study the Bible. Man, is it, bro? That's that's the thing that 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 I kind of saw as I began to interact with those who, you know, who call themselves reformed, um, was that uh, whether it was apologetics, uh, whether it was uh, understanding a particular doctrine, whatever the issue was, they were going to go back to the text of scripture, mm-hmm. uh, and and that and that the doctrine of of sola scriptura. Uh, uh, that 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 the word of God alone is our primary authority uh, was was on was on full display and given what I believe is 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 its rightful place in the life of the believer. Um, so to, to so to be exposed to guys like Dr. James White um, and and even and even and even philosopher Greg Kokel. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, you know, he's a, he's an apologist as well, but, the, mm-hmm. but to listen to these men exegete script, whenever they responded to a question about, uh, societies, sh- social issues, cultural issues, um, uh, doctrinal related issues, uh, questions about issues of faith, their appeal was always book chapter mm-hmm. verse. verse. Yep. And I'd mm-hmm. never seen that, never seen, never that. seen that. And even today, I mean, I listen, I don't, I don't say this to be funny. I said, I'm very serious when I say this, I, I look, I deliberately on Saturday afternoons, there's sort of a block of channels on direct TV that are Christian or religious, let's just say religious channels. Mm-hmm. And much of the programming is heretical. A lot of it is very heretical. And I, I watch it on purpose because I think it's uh, speaking of apologetics, I think, Every Christian should understand and be uh, be able to speak intelligently and informed about heresies that are being uh, pontificated out there mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. under the guise of Christianity. These are these, these are falsehoods that are being preached from pulpits, not mosques, not temples. These are churches, right. okay? And you know, this sort of brings to mind something that I read in uh, Sproul's uh, book what is reformed theology, uh, you know, because coming out of my personal experience in the black church, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, 
I still look at the church today. There are churches now, verse, that don't even use terms that are commonly just blanketed over blanketed over reform theology. You don't hear them in uh, churches, the churches you and I grew up in. You don't hear words like theology used. Mm-mm. You don't hear words like doctrine. You don't hear orthodox orthodoxy used. You don't hear uh, theological terms that every Christian should. Mm-hmm. Be accustomed to hearing and, and mm-hmm. be accustomed to understanding what they are and what they mean. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, our churches should be as much to uh, educate us on what the Bible means by what it says, not just mm-hmm. about what it says. I remember I was at a men's conference once where I heard Dan Dumas. Dan du- Dan Dumas uh, is a professor at Southern Seminary, mm-hmm. and Dan Dumas was the keynote uh, speaker, and I'll never forget this. That he said, he said, there's three things that are important when you're when you're studying the Bible. Number one is context. Number two is context. Mm-hmm. Number three is what verse? Context. context brother. It's context. Mm-hmm. Those are the three. But those are things that I never was exposed to. You, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, in in my church experience, pre-reformed, you read the Bible, you close it. Right. You open it. Right. You read it. You close it. Right. You're done. Um, but something uh, Sproul said in the introduction to his book, What is Reformed Theology, really caught my attention. He says this. Um, so this is just an introduction here. He says, the study of religion is chiefly the study of a certain kind of human behavior, be it under the rubric of anthropology, sociology, or psychology. The study of theology, on the other hand, is the study of God. And see, that's, mm-hmm. that's what Reformed theology drives me to do, mm-hmm. to study God. That is the that is that is what at its core. If anyone would would have asked me, what is Reformed theology? What is the benefit of being exposed or looking into Reformed theology? I would say because it drives you to study God. Yeah, it drives you to study God. And see, the beauty of the God of the Bible is that He's a God who wants to be known. Mm-hmm. Now we got well. Obviously, I shouldn't even have to say this, but I will. We're not, we're never going, even when we're in heaven, we're never going to know everything there is to know about God. Right. Okay. So even when we're in heaven, that's not going to be the case. But I just love what Sproul says is he makes the distinction between the study of religion. And I think a lot of our, the reason I'm bringing this up because I think a lot of churches are religious, mm. but they're not theological. Churches should be theological. Churches should drive you, should point you to God. They yeah. should point you to, to know more about God. You should know more about God when you walk out of that church that you knew about him when you walked in. Yes. You see, but there's so many churches out there, countless where that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Sproul says the study of theology on the other hand is the study of God. Religion is anthropocentric, whereas theology is theocentric. Amen. The difference between religion and theology is ultimately the difference between God and man. And that is hardly a small difference. And the mm-hmm. thing I, the thing I know there's nothing else I know about Reformed theology is this when compared to the Arminian theology that I grew up in is that Reformed theology exalts God. Yeah. Like I read from Dr. Carter just a second ago, uh, the, 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 where he says this, he says, by understanding Reformed theology, the history of African-Americans and any other people for that matter is enriched because the biblical God is understood as understood in Reformed theology is big and gracious. Yes. It's big and gracious. He is sovereign. And see, one thing Reformed theologists taught me is to accept the sovereignty of God. 
that God is sovereign in all things. Yes. Good, bad. One of my favorite verses, you know, some people might call this life verse, but I love this verse is in Ecclesiastes 714 because mm-hmm. it speaks to the sovereignty of God so much. And this mm-hmm. verse just keeps me so grounded, man. Ecclesiastes 714. It says in the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, consider that the Lord has made the one as well as the other. Amen. In the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, remember that the Lord has made the one day as well as the other. Mm. And, 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 and to me, with respect to the sovereignty of God and how Reformed theology addresses, has addressed that over the centuries, man, that, that just gives me so much peace, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. much freedom. Absolutely. To know that God is sovereign over every, like like Sproul says, there's not one maverick molecule out there. Right, right, right. <laughs> Love that, man. Love that. Absolutely. Speaks. It speaks to again. I I, I heard it. I've heard it said. You know, big God theology. You know, big God mm-hmm. theology. And and I just uh, that's been the joy of the experience of of of, of kind of the journey that I've taken. Uh, is that is that God is God is big. He's in control. I can I can I can point to him in the good and in the bad. Whereas where I came from, I could only point to him for the good because the bad was on me. Right. Exactly. Right? The bad was if, on you. It yeah. was on me. If it turned out bad or wrong or or incorrect, it was because I did something wrong. Right. Uh, and and he wasn't a part of it. And and it wasn't until I worked my way into having right confessions or professions of, of, of promises that weren't really promises uh, that belonged to me uh, th- that, that I would work into God's good grace and he would work out. And, and, and in that, and in that realm that I was in, Satan was actually more powerful than, than God because one, one negative confession could cancel out, right. you know, 10, 10 positive yeah. confessions. And his, so his, 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 you're, you're at church, Month after month, rededicating your life, right, Verge? You're rededicating. Absolutely. You're back on that treadmill again. Absolutely, absolutely. Back on that treadmill again. But, but praise God, there is no treadmill. Mm-hmm. You, there is no treadmill. Your salvation is totally up to God. Absolutely, it's totally up to God. Absolutely. You have even your response to His call mm. is of God, not of you. You know, so. Yeah. So, man, yes, thank God that I don't have to rededicate my life as if right. I dedicated it at all. Right, right, right. Even in, even in my safe state, I'm not dedicated. I wish mm. I were. <laughs> I wish right, I were. right. We, we'll, never, we'll, never, we'll never perfectly love God, right? Not to, not till we're fully glorified in his son, Jesus Christ, man. Absolutely. That's never going to happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, man, as we turn the page on another one, man, you got any closing thoughts or words? Well, you know, again, I just want to thank our listeners, man. And, uh, you know, we really, really love and appreciate you all. We thank you for, I think, Verge, I th- we've been doing this now for, what, about five months? Close, mm-hmm. Coming on five months? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we're coming up on almost 10,000 downloads of our podcast. Wow, man, that's uh, amazing. So th- that's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate the, appreciate you guys' prayers and support. Again, look for us on UrbanFamilyTalk.com here in the next couple of weeks. It's going to happen in April as we get a specific date. We'll update you all on the upcoming episode of the Just Thinking podcast. But we love you all. We pray for you just as you pray for us. Amen. And again, just hope, hopefully you'll continue to find these episodes edifying. Absolutely. Thanks again for another episode. Join us next week. Take care. God bless.
Thank you for tuning in to Just Thinking, a podcast brought to you by the Bar Podcast Network. You can find all of Just Thinking episodes at www.thebarpodcast.com. Tune in next week to another edition of Just Thinking. And remember, let's think.